Welcome to the Context Podcast, everybody. I'm Ernest Coe, and I've got Todd Geis and Corn Walker, and a very special guest, Andrew Cates from Claris, joining us today, <laughs> talking about all kinds of fun stuff uh, related to the Claris platform and the future roadmap as we know it today. All right. Wow. So let's get into it. Um, Andrew, welcome again. It's been a while. Uh, I think the last time I saw you was actually recently, right, in Atlanta. Not too long uh, ago. That is true. Yeah, you came through on business and we had a chance to grab a nice bite and it was a really nice evening and great to catch up with you. It's good to see each yeah. other in person once in a while. I'm getting a lot of earnest in my life too because we had a business meeting earlier today. So this is almost That's like right. too much proof geist in one day. This is great. <laughs> Not possible. Not possible. We got to keep the uh, keep things going here, Andrew. Uh, got to keep, right. you, keep you in our orbit uh, talking <laughs> about all the fun things. So, no. word is things are changing a little bit at um, in your neck of the woods, right? You've got a what is that, what is this I hear about a new title? You want to share a little bit about that and and what's yeah, going on there? In my unintentional life goal to carry every job possible related to FileMaker and Claris, um, I've, I've got a new role. I, I'm still the director of product marketing and evangelism. Um, and uh, and proud to be so, but I've joined the ranks of Claris's CPOs or chief product owners uh, so that I can be closer to the product and help steer the direction that we're taking things. And having been a developer for well nigh 40 years, 35 anyway, um, this is a, it's an exciting opportunity for me. So really happy for it. It's great. So, I mean, it, it sounds like a big job. Um, it, it sounds like you're entering just it's at the right job. point. Um, <laughs> it's a small job. Yeah, you know, it's 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 an enormous job, actually. Um, you know, Robert Holsey has been a CPO responsible for the platform. We've got a few other in the org- others in the organization uh, that typically come, you know, with a product and a product management background. I think you guys know me pretty well. I've I've been a developer with the platform. I was a Claris partner for some years. I've been a uh, systems engineer and evangelist for the platform for for many years. So I come in as somebody who I mean, my first job <laughs> in college was doing FileMaker development work, right? So <laughs> I go way back and have a history with the platform and a passion for it in the community. And so I'm coming at it with maybe a bit of a different trajectory. Um, but yeah, I think the timing is great. We have so many things moving with our platform and technology that it's it's just exciting times. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. Can you give us can you give us a sense of what that means to be a chief product officer or owner, as I guess they call it? Chief yeah, owner. well, you know what? Well, I have a, a, a job title and a responsibility in sort of a traditional org structure manner. Um, you know, we've we've communicated pretty broadly that Claris is an agile organization and we've architected our execution in the company in a scrum at scale model. And so we have scrum teams with uh, product owners that report up to meta scrums, if you will. And somewhere at the top of the food chain, we have um, Metascrums that um, really are responsible for driving prioritization across the organization, aligned with business plans and product goals and product market fit requirements and those sorts of things. So it's it's a lot of strategy. It's a lot of thinking about you know where the industry is going and where our product leads and how we can differentiate, uh, and then aligning teams to understanding that vision, understanding what we're about. 
Um, and so it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot to digest. We have hundreds of employees, and you need to keep everybody moving in a direction. Uh, but it's fun too. It's very exciting. So, you know, having having been around as long as I have, people always ask me like. Nobody stays in the tech industry with an organization as long as, as me and some of the others at the company. Uh, and how is that possible? But it's because there's always new challenges, always new things to learn, and because things keep changing and we have to adapt and learn. And, and to me, that's just very rewarding. So, Do you, do you want to give us – so this is a relatively new thing. happened, uh, what, a couple months back, maybe, maybe three mm -hmm. months back, four months back. Can you give us uh, I, I don't, whatever you want to say about – what you feel the impetus for the change was or or, or, or why the change for you and, and, and what that meant and what that means sure. in terms of maybe, I don't know, change in focus or directions from where you were, say, six months ago as a company. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been working for a couple of years now in the organization within the Scrum at Scale structure, right? And so, um, and I think you guys know me pretty well as well from our many years working together. I'm I'm not shy with opinions, and I have been around the platform long enough that I have strong passion and feelings for things and how they you know, ought to work and <laughs> how we can be better, and I always strive for that, right? And so um, I, I guess at some level, it's, you know, we, we had a capacity issue in terms of divvying up all the work across the company. I mean, we have a portfolio of products. We've got a variety of different strategies and how we address the market, and there's a lot to do. So it was an opportunity that... Um, I was offered to, to help out and, you know, diving in and seeing what we can do. I, that's kind of where it is, Todd. I, we, we have an a, a interesting strategy about how we open up markets in the education space in, in concert with our parent company. We've got a CPO for that. I'm largely responsible now for the, you know, the in-market products, our customer base, the community I've been part of, and how we uh, advance things better. Robert is largely focused on sort of transformative technologies that are emerging that we can take advantage of to really move our business into the next generation as well. And then we all work together to strategize and figure out, okay, what are the things we need to be doing right now? So it's, it's a lot of fun. So... Uh one of the things that's on my mind is um, some of the uh, conversations around AI and new product um, um, features or, or capabilities is, you know, related to that. I'm sort of curious what, how, how this impacts your role and how does that, who, who, who manages product vision at Claris now on the different product mm -hmm. lines? Is that, is that your domain or is it kind of distributed? Can you want to talk a little bit more about that? I definitely participate in that domain, right? Yeah. It's not, vision isn't all just prognostication and thinking about the future, right? It is mm -hmm. um, who is our customer? What is the advantages of our platform in the market? And we think there are a plenty. And how do we, you know, roll that into the future? So um, the, the, the things in product and in our go-to-market strategy that are directly rolling up to me are more short-term in focus, if you will, than where Robert is thinking longer-term. But he and I talk every day uh, because mm. I have to set the table for his thinking. His thinking is going to change the way I need to steer things and, um, and think about how to prioritize. And so, um, no, we all have to, a chance to be a part of the, the vision for the platform. And um, that's, you know, I'm honored to be part of that. So, so, what, but, so, so you're focused on, on the current and market stuff or maybe the, the stuff that's coming you know, next down the road. And one mm -hmm. of the things that, that I've noticed, I think it's pretty clear, is the uptick in investments in terms of new features and new capabilities 
mm -hmm. within the shipping Claris products. And we're getting lots of releases now and <clears throat> every release has some, some big new features. I mean, some of these we've been, we've been hoping for, for, for years are now, are now getting yeah. out there. So that's pretty exciting. That seems like a, that seems like, like a fairly, um, obvious thing you're doing is pushing new stuff into the current market mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I'm, I'm thrilled for it because I think there's, there's still a lot more that can be done with the current platform. I mean, obviously there's, there's a need to address what's coming in the future. I mean, that's clear. You can't, you can't just pretend that AI is not a thing. Um, even mm -hmm. though it may not be impacting you directly today, it will be in some form very soon. So, um, seeing the new features coming and the new capabilities on server and in, in pro, uh, is great because this is where this is what we're working in every day. This is what our customers are living in every day. Yep. So that's a, so the impact you're having is is really right now, close to the road. That's the, yeah, that's but very much so. And um, you know, I, I'm a strong believer in uh, some of the. Uh, I know Pete called them North Stars, but you know so, some of the. Um, the basic purpose and vision that we have, we know that, um, you know, per Brad talking over the last couple of years that we deliver no value with the platform. It's a tool for somebody else to deliver value. And so our developer community, our partner community are central to any go-to-market strategy that we have, right? We need to have a value delivery to someone that uh, ultimately returns an economic advantage for us together. And so we focus a lot on pragmatism on value on real world delivery of, of results to customers and you know I, I think we were chatting about this previously Todd that you know, we're not a company that's always bleeding edge uh, and we've been through a lot over the last 35 odd years we've been through a lot of ups and downs in the technology market and new emerging technologies that were fundamentally transformative and either scared everybody or you know just changed the game and we've had a really good record of, of really seeing what's coming and riding the waves and being very steady with the platform. And I think that's a good thing for our customers. AI is very transformative, but we have an advantage of being part of a, a very large company <laughs> that has a very uh, strong ethos around privacy and security and in deep thinking about what AI means to how we in, in incorporate technology. And I, I think that you know our customers and developers should understand that we will be steady right we will be very thoughtful about the things that we do with it but we will also be be present we'll be ready right so uh, i think we have distinct advantages in our platform and our community for taking advantage of ai going into the future so i'm rambling a bit right now but yeah dude i, I think we've got all the all the ingredients to keep this thing rolling for the next 35 years <laughs> there's there's an axiom somewhere maybe it's even a mathematical proof that Maybe Corin, maybe you might know that that you pretty much in in the journey of any life cycle of anything, you can if you're in it, you can pretty much always say that you're halfway through. So in right. other words, you know <laughs> we're halfway through the history of humanity, right? So if that's true, then, then we got FileMaker for another 35 years. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, we're doing everything we can to make sure that's the case, right? Uh, we think. Uh, yeah, our, our ethos is about empowering, you know, mere mortals to accomplish things with technology, small businesses to yeah. do things that large enterprises spend millions of dollars on, right? And that that doesn't change just because we have a new technology landscape. We just have to figure out how to, you know, aggregate the ingredients in the right way so that we can take advantage of it, whether it's low-code productivity or you know, what have you. So 
um, yeah, these, these remain exciting times for us, for sure. I mean, when you say 35 years, I, you know, I, I keep thinking about like what other software has been around for 35 years. And I can only think of like, you know, there's the big OSs, obviously, and even those right. have gone through transformations. And then there's like a handful there's... of like large industry players. And, and that's about it. You know, there's, yep. there's really not that much out there. Right. That... I think if you go into the history books and look at the provenance of FileMaker when it was, you know, Nutshell and all those things yeah. in the late 80s. Uh, it was being distributed by a company um, called Neshoba, or was yeah. it Forethought, yeah. that also carried a title that was called Microsoft. Oh, it was called not Microsoft, but it was called PowerPoint, right? That's and right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's there's a sibling lineage Should between PowerPoint stock and that company. Company. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. There's very very few, right? It's for for sure. Yeah. One thing we should talk about uh, before we're done is that we are making some changes to our release plan and our short term roadmap. Um, and that's being announced publicly pretty much as we speak uh, in, in this podcast. So oh. I should probably clarify what's going on there because it sets right. the table for the roadmap that's that's you know in our future as well. Is that a I reasonable was actually topic? Yeah, yeah. Wondering yeah. about that. You know, when when Todd was um, remarking on the, the new features that are coming out in the Pro um, product line, and how we keep mm -hmm. getting all of these new features, and and they're not just like little things. You know, some of them are actually big improvements to the product and whether that is because of the realignment of your product roadmap um, with the recently announced changes and the things that are coming up. I think at some level, um, we, um, we have a platform that we decided, you know, starting a couple years ago, uh, would make sense to augment with cloud native technologies, right? FileMaker has been here forever. It, it has an amazing uh, differentiation in the marketplace. It solves on-premise problems like nobody's business. Nobody can do it quite the way you can with FileMaker, right? And it's evolved to such a powerful platform for rapid app delivery um, that it's, it, I don't know, it's just unique, right? And I think FileMaker developers know that. Um, but there are opportunities that we need to capture that will require us to have cloud-native capabilities and be able to present you know, modern user experiences and all the things, right? And so we've been adding in, um, and, and sorry to your question or point there, Corn. Um, with that new cloud stack, we have a space that we can innovate and, and uh, iterate very rapidly on, right? And we've been doing that. So, you know, when you look at something like Studio, which is a relatively lightweight tool set compared to FileMaker, which is your big old 18-wheeler truck for carrying all your data and doing amazing things, you know, Studio is a very agile, uh, lightweight, young sort of platform, but it's evolving rapidly. And uh, just uh, last week on the, I think the 22nd, we released the 1.14 version of it. And um, there's some really materially cool things in there, right? So, you know, you sort of have to really pay attention at, at some level and watch that what's new uh, to see what's coming. But we're trying to uh, update across the platform. FileMaker's got some great things over the 19.6 and 2023 launches. We got more coming for sure uh, in FileMaker itself. And then Connect, we just opened that up to yeah. custom connectors. And so suddenly Connect becomes not just a low-code tool. It, it has the same promise that FileMaker has. It is low-code productivity, but with pro-code extensibility. And we think that's going to be really meaningful for our customers. So yeah, to, to your question, why are we, are we iterating so quickly? I think it's because we made a fundamental change to be an agile business. 
and deliver value more consistently to our customers and not aggregate up a bunch of things and ideas that we would deliver on 18 months or two years later, right? At which time we will have been wrong, <laughs> right? And we'll have a gigantic release that, that isn't as relevant as it seemed in originally. That's the whole problem with Waterfall. We're now agile, we're pumping out things continuously. And so it feels different for sure. But a lot of people I think doubted that we could deliver deep value and strong you know capabilities but we're doing it we have some amazing teams working on it so and we have big problems we know we need to solve so we're yeah. focused on this so. and i mean i know that one of the things that i heard was sort of a fear that as claris was investing in the studio product line and in the connect product line that mm -hmm. maybe the filmmaker pro product line would sort of kind of languish out there it'll just be sitting out there sure you'll still sell it and support it but not much was going to actually happen mm -hmm. with it. And that doesn't seem to be the case at all. It seems quite the opposite, that, that even though you're making these yeah. rapid gains with Studio, you're also still investing in the, in the FileMaker Pro product, and, and that's really seeing a lot of improvement. Yeah, we, we absolutely will. Um, and you know, I also get to work with great minds like Clay and, and Lucy and her company that you know, have deep history with the platform, with FileMaker. Uh, for decades as well. And so they architect it and think about how we can make it better. We will continue to invest in FileMaker, but we also have a code base on that tool that's very large and decades old. And so our ability to innovate there as rapidly as we can do with the, the cloud-based tool sets is less, right? So we'll look for meaningful changes that we can keep uh, pumping out with FileMaker, but we look at something like Studio and I think of it as an extension of FileMaker, right? It's not, mm -hmm a new tool to compete with FileMaker or compare and say, you know, which one should I choose? It literally is like a web viewer or like add-ons or plugins, right? It's a new space that I can do things, maybe unique use cases that FileMaker is not particularly suited for that really, you know, we can do well in the cloud and then have them work together. So um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll, be, we'll be innovating across the platform well, and the innovations in Studio should be good for the FileMaker customer and developer. Um, it's not just for somebody else. It's not. <laughs> That's not our intention. I will. Yeah. I will say that the removing the distinction between Claris Pro and FileMaker Pro is is a is a significant important change. I think that will help the case that this is the, mm -hmm. um, help the case that Studio is not a replacement of Pro or some some threat to the to existing platform because it really opens the doors to developers who currently don't have a use case for Studio mm -hmm. uh, because all their work is stuck in sort of uh, FileMaker Pro. In fact, a lot of our work is stuck in FileMaker Pro and people want to move you know, to to integrate more um, uh, web-based experiences or forms or things like that. And, and that's the unlock mm -hmm. that I see that this, this does. So kudos. There's a certain um, feeling of liberation when you, you know, roll into the browser and you construct something, you develop there, right? And, and albeit very quickly and simply, again, compared to the heavyweight tool set that is FileMaker, but you go up and you, you know, no deployment, no download of bits, you just start building something, you share it with others, and suddenly it's in deployment like immediately. Um, for for its intended use cases, it's it's awesome. Right? Um, and it reminds me in some ways of when I started using FileMaker on that machine, you know, decades ago. Ah. Um, it's it's very approachable and, and kind of fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's not meant to be anything but a complement to FileMaker and and be a, a participant, if you will, in the Claris platform. Um, which goes to the announcement that we're making, um, which I guess we should probably summarize for the audience uh, in case you hadn't seen the video that we put up on our community and mm -hmm. on, on YouTube. 
um, we are going to make Studio available to directly integrate with, with FileMaker. Um, when we originally conceived of Studio, we made a parallel version of FileMaker with a different name. So instead of FileMaker Pro, it was Claris Pro. And FileMaker Server was Claris Server. So we had the Claris named version of the platform specifically so we could take it, which was FileMaker, but with a different name, and integrate Studio and connect more closely with it. Um, we did that very intentionally because we did not want to add any risk to our customers and developers using FileMaker, right? <clears throat> Careers and businesses depend on it. We don't want to screw that up. And we succeeded. No FileMaker apps were harmed in making <laughs> Studio work with Claris Pro. But, you know, the, the, the confusion that we induced is real. People, you know, with the dual platform strategy of FileMaker and Claris, it just leads to the question of, which do I choose? When do I choose to switch over if I want to go to Claris? Those sorts of things. And we know now enough that we can make Studio work directly with FileMaker. Connect already does. And if we do that and we employ some of the capabilities that are in Claris Pro that are unique back into FileMaker, which we'll do, then we can make Claris named platform redundant, deprecate it. And then the Claris platform is just FileMaker, Connect, and Studio. So I, I think to your point, um, Ernest, I think it simplifies the definition of the platform, we can get away from the confusion about the dual platform roadmap and just talk about, okay, what are we doing next with the platform and what are we doing after that? So it sort of clears the room so we can concentrate on things like AI and other things we want to do with the platform. So I'm, I'm excited for the, for the change. So speaking of AI, um, what are your thoughts? What, what do you think, what do you think the next six months will look like? You know, I think, um, my thoughts uh, are suspect because I'm not uh, the, the, the schooled <laughs> expert on this. Um, I think I'm encountering AI uh, much like many of our developers in the community. Um, it's not to say I don't think about it a lot, but uh, Robert really is a, a kind of topical expert on how we can employ it to the advantage uh, for our customers and our, our developers. Uh, so I would suggest getting him back here at some point to go deep. but. In essence, I, I think that AI is, um, has big implications for software delivery and software development and how our customers interact with their data on many levels. I think that amongst our developer community and our customer base, when I'm talking to people, I don't see a whole lot of people all in yet. A few, a few developers have invested very, very deeply. But I think a lot of people are like, hmm, I don't know yet, I'm not ready, or I'm afraid <laughs> for a variety of reasons of, of what's coming. And so I think uh, it's going to be really important for us at Claris and with the community to really start uh, collaborating and communicating about best appropriate uses and how we can do it. All that said, I do think we have a, an advantage over a lot of tools out there that are building around AI in that we have a decades old long history of delivering real value to real businesses and we've collected an awful lot of data <laughs> and all of that matters right and as our developer communities know how to deliver real value i don't think we're going to be you know spewing hype that's not our goal we're not just going to tack the word ai onto some release and claim victory um, we will make sure we do it meaningfully and by the way, we've been doing it for years, right? We've had CoreML on the platform support and all, all different kinds of AI functionality in the platform that we've been developing. Um, and we'll continue to advance that meaningfully with our audience and, uh, and I'm excited for the future, not fearful of it. But we've got, it, it will mean we'll have to learn some things. So. 
Yeah, we've been um, thinking about it quite a bit, obviously. In fact, Ernest and Corn and I just spent a few days at my mom's house on Cape Cod deep diving into into this topic. And, and uh, it was interesting, like just sort of challenging our assumptions on what is it good for now, what might it be good for in the future, how to integrate yep. it with, with, with FileMaker today, what we might be able to do in, in the future, um, you know, given some of the new things that maybe Robert's up to. And uh, it's pretty interesting. I think, you know, I was pretty, uh, at the beginning when, it, when this whole thing blew up, I thought we were in for a, a very fast shift in how we did the jobs that, that we do. And in some ways, it's true. Like yep. if, you're, if you're gonna generate text or images, then yeah, you've, you've got a new way to do it and it has real value, uh, no, mm -hmm. there's no question. But my later assumption became something more like, this is more like, like the shift to mobile. Like, yes, the first days that mobile came out, you could load up a website on your mobile phone, but it wasn't really a lot of value to it because the site still looked like mm -hmm. it was made. You know, it was like, it takes a while for some of these new technologies that are, that are fundamental, that mm -hmm. really shift the way you have to approach your business. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes a long time. It took mm -hmm. five to 10 years for mobile to really go from kind of a, you know, a little toy thing you could show off to yeah. actually being functional, people actually accomplishing work on their iPhones in a meaningful way. Mm -hmm. So I expect it to be something similar to that. It's going to take a while for businesses to understand what to do with this stuff. There's, mm -hmm. there's real issues around privacy and security of real the data. And, and, and I think actually Claris sits in a good space because people own their data with the Claris platform in a way that, mm -hmm. that they don't in things like say Salesforce, for example. You right. Um, but then you'll need so, to be careful with how you loan that out uh, to right. your LLM or whatever, right? So that's yeah, right. there, we definitely have to think um, appropriately about how to leverage it. Um, and I, I think everyone knows that we are an Apple company, right? Yeah. And Apple has a strong uh, point of view on AI. Uh, they incorporate it across the product line very deeply. But Apple also is, you know, has a strong point of view. And I'm on privacy and security, right? I think that commutes to us. We have to think the same yeah. way. It's very important yeah. for us. And I, and I think it's just going to be a it's going to be a big benefit. Right on. Yeah, I think I think in some ways, the whole Chat GPT sort of movement has I think clouded the conversation a little bit because people yeah. think of AI as generative AI basically today, right? So they, mm -hmm. they imagine being able to chat their data and do things that you can do with chat, like ask a question and magic pops out. Mm -hmm. But it's obviously so much more than that. And there are real limits to what chat can do with this, uh, you know, a publicly trained LLM. And the problems that it, it tackles are not the same problems that that, that you want to point an LLM at and to, you know, with, uh, with proprietary data, with the customer data and business data and so forth, right? So I, I, think, I think there's something like, we're just maybe at a starting point. Like what chat's done for us is excited the public to the possibilities. And then the real work really begins like today. Like yeah. How do you actually leverage these things in a way that's actually productive? That, I think that's still unclear and it's very murky territory, right? For all the reasons yeah, I, we just talked about. My, uh, my likely future son-in-law I have to, <laughs> he's a, he's a, a, a CS grad and math major at, uh, at Georgia Tech, so a pretty smart kid, but he's been working for years 
on um, AI, and uh, it, it makes for some fun conversations around the holidays. And you know, it is interesting how much was going on, and gosh, we even forget about you know the game of Go, right? And and AI sort of changing fundamentally how humans compete and even think about the game anymore. Uh, but that's like old history now; it's ancient history. And then right. you know, generative AI came to build you know composite images, you know, according to some prompts and. That really was visually quite interesting, uh, but you know, brings up all the ethics questions and all the things. And then, then you have ChatGPT, and all of a sudden it feels real. Like you can talk to it, and it talks back to you, and almost passes a Turing test, or maybe does. Right? It's uh, it's it's quite fascinating. Uh, but I'm kind of with you. It's it's only one element in, in an overall AI, you know, picture and a portfolio that we can take advantage of. So, uh, and and I do believe we're we're early in a hype cycle. I was reading an article I think this morning about a company that blew up on. Um, on Wall Street because uh, I guess they're a private jet reservation system or something that claimed they had AI. I, I, I read the article and I could not divine any contribution of AI to what they were delivering, but they had AI in the name and, and suddenly the stock went it's, through the roof. It sounds a lot like blockchain you know. did a, a couple of years ago. <laughs> you know? it, yeah, it sounds very hypey to me, and, and I, I really shouldn't speak out of turn because I know nothing about that business or what they're doing, and I'm sure it's wonderful. Um, but it just I look at that, I'm like, it scratches my head, and I know the trough of disillusionment is coming, and a lot of this will flame out. Uh, but you know, like I said, I think we'll be very measured about how we apply things, and we'll be ready for the long haul. So we, we typically surf the Gartner hype cycle pretty well, and we'll hope to yeah. do that again. And I do think there's there's something real here in a way that some of the last cycles didn't play out in terms of their hype to value mm -hmm. ratio. There there is something different here, but I think it's it's foundational. It's going to take a while to percolate through into how we actually uh, use computers or how we work with our businesses. Yeah, and I think there's an imperative for us as a community to be talking about it a lot, right? Yeah. And I know that uh, you know pause is coming up in not too distant future. I, I imagine it's a topic that we'll be chatting about in the mountains there, um, and we've got engage coming up in a few months, and yep. I'm sure it will be a topic we want to bring there and and get some expertise on. It's been good to see some developers already going out to developer groups and showing examples of leveraging AI in their work. So I, I think we're starting a journey. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Exciting place. So Engage is happening in February 2024 in right. Austin, Texas. Um, I, I, I imagine the conversations around AI will be happening there, uh, among other things. I guarantee it. <laughs> I can't imagine a world where that doesn't happen. <laughs> I had AI submit my registration. Yeah. <laughs> that was you. <laughs> Uh, what can you tell us about Engage in, in, uh, in 2024? It's been a while. Uh, you right? know, at this point, we have some dates and we have a location, and uh, I think we'll be getting out some more information really soon uh, so people can start planning and get the hotel information figured out. Um, I'm, I'm just I'm super excited about it. Like, we have a chance to get back together again, and it's you know been a three-year drought or whatever, and uh, notwithstanding the great community events that are happening, and I will be at Pause on Error, right? It'll be great to awesome. uh, get together with folks there. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's three hours up the road. How can I not, right? I, I have to be there. I've been there the last two years. I look forward to it again. Um, but yeah, to, to have the event back in place, um, you know, we look out there at the event landscape in the technology industry and you know, the, the, the numbers of people that are attending events is significantly lower than it was, you know, pre-pandemic. 
but I have a suspicion that uh, our community is super strong and super hungry to get back together again. So I think we'll fill up pretty fast. I'm excited for that. Um, we'll bring out all the folks we can from, from Claris to, to talk about our technologies, but I'm really looking forward to a chance to hear from developers what they're thinking about and how they're pushing the platform to its limits. So I could not be more excited. We'll probably have call for speakers coming soon as well. Um, I know we're what, how many months out are we? I haven't done the math, five, six? Um, you know, we'll need to get that done and get some folks uh, ready for, for content, but I know we'll have a lot of that too and move this thing forward, so. Yeah. Awesome. I know folks are itchy to register. It's coming soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's coming soon. I, I do wonder sure. how many people will do their, their um, proposals using AI. I mean, I, I, I'm certainly gonna- I think that's gonna happen. <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, it, it engages a little bit. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So it engages a little bit different this year than the traditional model we've been used to. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a little different in that, um, you know, historically we've done dev cons and engages at a resort somewhere that that works out well for us because you get a, a good density of people in one place that can, you know, hang out together and the hallway conversations are super valuable and you have a lot of chance to socialize in addition to just the, the session content and, and all that. Um, we will actually be on an Apple campus, so that'll be different. Um, and I think it'll be kind of neat. Like I, I'm, I'm really excited for the experiment. Um, I think it'll be uh, potentially a, the, some really neat creative spaces in which developers can get together and you know figure out new models for you know it's not just seminaring in a giant lecture hall or what have you, right? We can be in rooms where we can workshop together and do things um, potentially. Uh, but we'll have the difference that lodging will be off property, right? So we'll be staying in hotels somewhere else, and so I think we'll have some. Um, obligation to figure out how we get together, right? And figure out new models for doing that. But I know we will, so I, I think that'll be interesting. There will be some constraints uh, being on an Apple campus in terms of badging in and out and those sorts of things I imagine, uh, but we'll manage that as best we can to make it uh, very fluid and the facility should be pretty awesome, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And if we behave well there, then maybe someday we can get ourselves to the Steve Jobs Theater in Cupertino. So, for anybody listening, don't don't show up causing trouble. Bring your best behavior. Don't, don't set up. Don't set a hopes up. This is how this is how CPOs get in trouble. They make promises about a product or the developer experience. And no promises. Not... I'm just saying. <laughs> I heard we're all getting so Apple we're getting AI. Part of going to engage. <laughs> Is that it? That's that's it. Uh, we'll work on that as a perk. Apple yeah. campus, yeah. Apple stock, same thing. Yeah. And hopefully Texas. Yeah. Uh, at least we're not in August in Texas. Uh, that, that's yeah. a nice change to not be in the middle of summer there. Um, but I, I think we'll have a good time. Looking forward yeah. to it. I'm looking forward to it. Um, one thing I just wanted to make sure we got back to it. You had started to mention something about change and release uh, cadence or plans or how you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I think you said you wanted to make sure you 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 got that out there too. So yeah, part part of it was to talk about you know the deprecation plan for the Claris Pro right, uh, okay. you know, name products and then just sort of simplify the the message and the understanding of the platform of FileMaker and Studio and Connect. Um, you know, we've been uh, releasing on a really regular two to four week update cadence updates to studio 
Um, and uh, that's been kind of exciting. I'm using it personally more uh, because it's fun and I, I want to see it evolve to a place of quality. Um, as, as part of my role as CPO, I, I have a strong advocacy internally that we really focus on user experience. Uh, I want it to be a reasonably elegant onboarding experience to start using it as a FileMaker developer. Uh, because you get there and it's a different environment. It's a different design set. The 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 calc and scripting is different. You know, uh, the way you you know model your layouts and and, and stuff is different. Um, and so I I think there's a mental transition that needs to take place. So I'd like the onboarding experience to be elegant. And when you're in there, I want the features and the capabilities to feel cohesive. I think in year one we've been adding a really broad based set of things. We got views for kanbans and and uh, timelines and calendars, and there's a lot of crazy capability that's super strong. Um, and uh, but <laughs> we we haven't gotten to cohesion between them where I can build app experiences uh, as as meaningful as I want, right? And so um, I think the team's trying to focus on specific use cases um, like publicly facing forms to anonymous unlicensed users. If I want to do a survey to 10,000 people, I can do that and not worry about licensing, you know, perform like crazy. That's great. So I want to tackle that use case and be able to harvest that data into Studio in a way that it can be effectively leveraged by FileMaker. Get that use case right, and then let's move on to the next one and get that one right. So I'm thinking more about sort of depth and, and focus on uh, the quality of the product, but the teams amaze me in some of the stuff that they're getting in there and how quickly so I'm really bullish on, on its trajectory. Um, and with Connect as well, Connect is so fundamentally important to the platform, right? Integration is so critical in the modern era for our apps. They cannot live by themselves. You've got to be able to you know, participate in a technology stack. And um, yes, FileMaker can integrate with anything, right? If you're ready to throw the code and the curl and parse the JSON and do all the things, but man, there's, a, there's an elegance and a low-code facility in having a, a robot in the sky that's sitting there running you know, flows for you, and it's you know, point-and-click simple to set things up, and now extensible to anything you want to connect to. I think Connect is so important to the strategy, and um, we have been focused deeply over the last couple of years on our education market strategy with Apple, where we've made something really pretty miraculous and cool happen with Connect, based on Connect there strategically. But for our FileMaker developer audience who just wants to build and integrate, we're going to make Connect a lot better and, and pretty rapidly as well. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I, just, um, I know the the custom connectors are coming very soon. That's going to be a big thing. But also there's there's um, there's stuff coming that that's going to make it obvious that FileMaker is a part of the Connect platform and vice versa. Like they're going to be much more easy to move data back and forth between them because you're going to be adding new features around that very soon. For, for sure. I think that's going to be really important. Like people are, I think, I think um, since Connect launched, there's been, you know, as you said, there's been, it's been a thing that's kind of been on its own. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's going to be gone by the time we get to engage. It's going to be clear that these are actually, you know, um, two sides of the same coin, or these are things that are, that are interrelated and can work together well. And that's a big yeah, deal. Connect itself, if you look at the way you design a flow, although it's visual and looks different, it's kind of a script, right? It's just a script for integration and, and going through a, a process flow amongst different integrated tools. But uh, I think, you know, for a, a FileMaker developer to get their head around it, once you figure that out, it makes some sense. 
And then the other thing that I struggle with the first time I, I was encountering Connect was that I would develop an, something in FileMaker and I wasn't ready to make the leap to an agent <laughs> that I needed to automate to do things not in the context of my layouts and scripts and workflows in FileMaker, but then would sort of feed back to FileMaker or draw from it. And so we're, to your point, we have a script step now to trigger flows in FileMaker. So contextually, if I'm comfortable and I'm building you know, experiences in FileMaker with the script, script workspace, I can go trigger a flow and tell it to start doing something for me. And so I think at some level, that's almost a bridge. It feels more natural for a FileMaker developer, possibly. Um, but once you get your head around how Connect works, man, it's, it's super powerful. So hopefully we'll navigate people to that as well. I think that's really important. Discoverability within the FileMaker platform itself is, is going to make a difference. There are a lot of people who yeah. just, they're going to see that script step and it's going to be their first, literally their first exposure to mm -hmm. Connect will come through that script step. Well, and, and in our backlog, I don't want to, I want to be careful how I position this because we don't have it on release plan yet, but in our backlog, and I think it's a high priority, is the notion of taking our on-premise agent for Connect and just installing it with server. So if you have an on-prem server, you install it, it's already there for you. You don't have to go through the deployment, you know, steps to get it there. Um, and then uh, conceivably in your console, there's a checkbox that says, turn on your on-premise you know, connect. And so there as an administrator, as you're deploying it, you're like, oh, what's connect? Oh, I have an integration. I have an iPass. Okay, let's turn that on and start using it, right? So you're right. Discoverability across the tools, I think is important. And um, we'll do things like that that can facilitate that over time. We, we are um, already planning a couple custom connectors that, awesome. that will work with some of our products. Um, something like uh, there's, there's going to be great opportunities for us to build build connectors for auto, for LedgerLink, nice. uh, and for some of these other products. It'll just give us another way to get data out or in to FileMaker. And that's why I think the Connect story, what's most interesting about uh, about these iPass type type frameworks is once your data is in there, it's also in all the other places it can connect to mm -hmm. relatively easily. And if you're having to build all those uh, all of those connections yourself, Sure, you can do it. We've done it mm -hmm. many, 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 many times. But now, if I want to send data out of my FileMaker app, and I have a script step that can get it to connect, right. now I can get it into anything that Connect can get it into. Well, it's interesting you say that too, because um, you know, with Connect, we don't really have persistent data storage there, right? But we have a cloud property called Studio, <laughs> and there's no reason those two don't converge. Um, so that you know when We've been telling the, the idea that you have complex apps you build with FileMaker that run the operations of your business. We call them ops apps, right? It's mm. cute, but we, you know, ops apps um, are super meaningful to businesses and they're central to, particularly for small business, maybe everything that they do, but then you have all the other things that you tap into and Connect can assemble that data for you, including the stuff in your ops apps and potentially stage a lot of interesting things into studio where then maybe some of the cloud facilities start coming to the, fr the front, right? And I can start dashboarding and I can access it anywhere. And if my CEO is on the golf course, but wants to check in and see what's going on, that's easier. Wants to develop on it, you know, on vacation, they can do that. Um, I think there's going to be a confluence of Connect and Studio and FileMaker together that starts getting really, really interesting uh, in the coming year. So. One of the intriguing things about Connect um, you know, when it's when it's a first-class citizen in, in the FileMaker um, system in, in the app itself, 
it really allows FileMaker to talk to itself, to other FileMaker apps through yeah. Connect. Right? So what you have is not just an iPaaS platform. You basically have a messaging queue that you get out in the cloud that's managed by essentially Apple, right? that you can start to think about uh, you know, better ways to build asynchronous systems, you know, connected systems, mm-hmm. leverage your existing applications that you already have, and really start to modernize things from the back from the back end up. I mean, this mm-hmm. this is a perennial problem with us in in our community. I mean, it's great that farming has been around for so long. It's also the thing that we inherit, which is a lot of systems have been around for so long, and they're all very tightly coupled. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a sleeper of a story, I think, and it's uh, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Awesome. And then now, when you you take the feature that came out, I think the I think the current in market, and this was new, the audit log feature. It's mm-hmm. called audit logs, but really, or I think it's called audit logs, but really, it's it's a way to to call a script whenever a record is changed or modified, or mm-hmm. or created or deleted, and then you have a script step that can send to connect, and now you can send very easily just a couple of script steps. You can now send data that's changed anywhere in your system on any layout can mm-hmm. now be sent to connect, and then. What happens is really up to you. You can send it back to another FileMaker system. You mm-hmm. can send it to, and you can send it to anything, anything that, that that there's a connector for. And now we're gonna have all kinds of custom connectors as well. Right, for sure. Um, yeah, it's it's there's there's some emerging potential that uh, the 2024 for me as a year is gonna be I think an exciting one. Um, I mean, we we also have some some heavy work in front of us to make sure that we converge the tools in a sensible way that experientially. They feel, you know, connected with each other, and um, you know, right now, full, you know, I don't know what to call it, uh, not disclosure, but you know, full honesty, I have like four consoles or five consoles that I could potentially be using across the platform. That makes no sense, right? We need to get to a place mm-hmm. where the experience of managing your users and their groups and ultimately permissions and things all starts to converge and feel cohesive. We have a lot of work there to do, um, but that's again stuff that's on our backlog that we're looking forward to, and we'll get there. Um, so I, I think ultimately the, the Claris platform will feel very holistic, um, even if it doesn't today. But you can see the pieces starting to come together. Well, what else? Uh, what other topics do we want to cover here? Where is Martha? <laughs> well, it's a new video game. Where is Martha? Where in the world is Where, where in the is world Martha? is Martha Zink? I think it's a beach. Usually it's a beach. That's what I, I make Martha, fun of. Right? Martha's taking a well-deserved vacation. Yeah. I believe in the mountains of Colorado. Well, I, I feel bad because I know we, we we tried to record this before and we had internet issues and Martha couldn't yeah. be participant and so I, I miss Martha and I, I hope we get to do this again with her soon. She's on very vacation, much so I think she's happy. Yeah, she's on a vacation actually in in my old haunt in oh, right. in Rocky Mountain National right. Park. Yeah, oh, which I used to go to all the time when I was when I lived in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got some projects she's working on, which will be which will become more obvious as the years go on. It's just keeping her really busy. So we're glad she's got some time out. I know. Yeah. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining us tonight. And Curtis, I, I appreciate it. A, a lot more to talk well. about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we look forward to engage. We look forward to seeing you at pause and continue this conversation. For sure. And, and uh, yeah, I know, hope we can come back and do this again. I always love uh, coming to the Context Podcast. I know that we'll have uh, more updates uh, than, than fewer uh, over time as things are moving fast. So I uh, look forward to our yep. next. We're here episode. anytime you want. We're here. We're here. Awesome, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, all. Thanks, everybody.
Just as a reminder, this is available on YouTube and as a podcast, and make sure you check out the show notes as there are a lot of links to share there. If you can take a minute to pause and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it, but better yet, if you can share it with a friend, that would be pretty awesome. No matter what your role is in this community, you're proof of how amazing this Claris community really is. My job is to help spread your knowledge and your stories on the podcast. Find me on Twitter at MZ123 or at Proofgeist and let's share your story.